0: Hey, welcome to Church and Other Drugs, everybody. My name is Jed. I hope you are doing well. Um, I am getting over COVID for the fourth, third or fourth time. I don't know. I'll have to look back at the episodes, but uh, it is lingering. I don't enjoy it. Uh, And that is that. I hate it. I guess you're only immune from whatever variant you got the first time uh, or the previous time. So... Whatever variant I had in October, I got a different one this month. So, hooray for me. Uh, um, So, recently, uh, I was on a new up-and-coming podcast called The Days of Noah with uh, Luke and Pete. And Pete had reached out to me uh, via churchandotherdrugs at gmail.com. And uh, asked if I, would, if I would be on his show, and I happily obliged. Um, Church and Other Drugs was also once a fledgling podcast, and uh, very much so I enjoy when people uh, get interested in podcasting and start their own, so I very much want to uh, try to drive as much traffic to them as I can, so um, I, to- I told the guys that I would re- release our interview Uh, as a Church and Other Drugs episode as well. So, that is what this is. I, as the name of their podcast may um, infer, I talk about, you know, my current beliefs about Nephilim and UFOs and aliens and church and AA and the genesis of the podcast and Revelation and all sorts of wonderful, wonderful topics. It actually was a super fun conversation and uh, do do the guys a favor, go check out The Days of Noah, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple, all that good stuff. Leave them a review if you can, and um, yeah, just go support, support new shows. Um, I was also on Dopey's 400th episode that is out now, uh, a very personal um, interview, so go check that out. And... I will be spending my week watching the Mandalorian season 3 I also saw cocaine bear so you don't have to just kidding I actually really enjoyed it it was really funny uh, it's it wasn't I wanted it to be more crazy so if you're thinking that movie looks too ridiculous for me like you might actually be pleasantly surprised it was it was pretty solid um, oh the other out of nowhere movie that I saw that I gotta recommend Triangle of Sadness I had heard nothing about it but apparently it's nominated for a bunch of Oscars and it's just super good I'm not even really gonna tell you what it's about other than it's kind of a satire on like influencers and wealthy people and the elite and capitalism and Woody Harrelson is a drunken yacht captain, and it's great. Go check it out. Uh, Send me an email, churchandotherdrugs at gmail.com, patreon.com slash churchandotherdrugs, and storefrontier.com slash churchandotherdrugs. Enjoy the interview.
1: I was going to say good morning. Uh, it's afternoon now.
0: <laughs> hey, what's up? Can y'all hear me? Yeah, sound loud yes. and clear. Awesome. How are you, guy? I'm good. I'm good. Just getting over uh, having COVID.
2: Oh, how, oh no. how how many times now?
0: Four. <laughs> oh, my
2: gosh. Oh, Serious? Yeah. So did you have the first one, Delta, then?
0: Uh, The bad one? Yes yes yep and then uh i just had it in october
2: okay oh,
0: and the, yeah and the, and the yeah the lady at the urgent care was like yeah you you can get it every 90 days now and i was what? like oh, okay. oh my gosh
2: so october was the second or the third time third time oh my gosh yeah yikes yeah i've had it twice uh the delta was nasty Kick my butt well, so, yeah, glad glad you could be here, man. Thanks for your time. And uh, so I'm Pete, obviously. Uh, All right. And, and I'm up in Wisconsin. And that's my brother, Luke. And he was raised here, too, but he loves the South. So Hey, there you go.
1: <laughs> so I'm just down the road from you. I'm in Hammond. We just got back from oh, church. Okay. So I'm in the middle of uh, getting some food for the boys. But, um, yeah, so...
0: Yeah, good old Very Hammond. Cool. Yeah, you're real close.
1: Yeah, what would you say, Luke, about
2: three hours to Lafayette? Uh, Does that sound about right,
0: Jed? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, something yeah, like about that. About Depends how like you go. an drive. hour to Baton Rouge. <laughs> no, it'd be like two hours. Maybe two?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm overdue for getting over there. We were, me and my wife were just talking about that. We need to get over to Lafayette and, and enjoy the good food what, uh, out what, there what, and what, different things.
0: What church do you go to in Hammond?
1: Um, Abundant Life Church. Uh, it's at the uh, one of the in uh, I-55 before you get it. What's the first exit um, when you're coming south? Um, in what's the parish.
0: What's the pastor's name there? Lloyd Blunt. Okay, because my ex father-in-law was a pastor of a church in Hammond, so I was I was wondering oh, wow. if it was the same. But I can't remember what what church it was. That's really cool.
1: Yep. Yeah, so I've been here, uh, a little background on me, obviously, Pete said, uh, we um, grew up in Wisconsin, he's still up there, um, I joined the military after high school, and when I got out, I was working with the ministry in the Carolinas, Katrina hit, um, in '05, and I was kind of at a crossroads, whether I was going to move or not, and helped out with some of the evacuees in Charlotte You know, remember they were sh- shuttling them, taking on planes all across the country. So I helped some of the evacuees in Charlotte, North Carolina, and then a church I was going to, um, had ties down here. So I came down with a box truck and about 10 guys, uh, eight to 10 guys and gals. And we just came down to serve, you know, uh, I and see. then, uh, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna move here. <laughs> <laughs> so, worked for about a week and a half. Went back to the Carolinas, packed up my vehicle, which encompassed everything I owned, yeah. and as a single man, and uh, moved down here. So, rest is history. So, I've been here since about mid September '05.
0: Yeah, that's exactly. I moved from the Carolinas. I moved from Columbia to Baton Rouge in July of 05, Wow. July 27th. Okay. Yeah, I was in Upstate,
1: so around Spartanburg, Gaff, yep. da, uh, Gaffney area.
0: Oh yeah, uh, yeah. All, all my, uh, all my family's in Pickens, Pickens County, like okay. Liberty. And you, you said you came down to
1: Louisiana specifically Lafayette.
0: No, right away? Uh, then it was Baton Rouge.
1: Baton Rouge first, okay. And what brought you down here? Rehab. Okay. Yep there was a, part, a long-term, obviously part of your testimony then
0: yep yep there was a, a long-term treatment center uh in baton rouge that i i went to that's why i moved down here and i was only supposed to stay here for like nine months but here we are <laughs> <laughs> 18 whatever however many years later man may i ask
1: what what rehab um, center it was uh it was called
0: saint christopher's okay
1: the yeah. one that pops into my head is a uh, teen challenge. Um, I'm sure oh, yeah. you're familiar with David Wilkerson. Um, I think he founded teen challenge and, um, then there's some notable one notable minister evangelist, Stephen Hill that had ties to the Brownsville revival, uh, in Pensacola. He, he was, a uh, his testimony came out of teen challenge and, and rehab to become a minister. So okay, anyways, yeah, I was at a station in Pensacola for a few years.
0: Oh, cool. Well,
1: that's my kind of my foundation. Uh, I'll let Pete give it a quick introduction, and we'd love to hear more from you. Yeah, for sure. sure.
2: Yeah, well, just real quick. Uh, yeah, that was that when Luke was in Pensacola, we, we ch- uh, were visiting him and got to see a little bit of that Brownsville revival. And that was really... Um, pivotal for me because like Luke and I both grew up Lutheran and, and that was a good foundation, at least, you know, for the head knowledge. But as you, as you guys know, you know, you got to make your faith your own at some point. And so that was really impactful for me. One night I saw, um, Ray Comfort speak down there and his, he was, he had his hell's best kept secret, uh, teaching that I thought was really good, but Yeah, so that was kind of that. That was the turning point where I was like trying to make faith my own, and then you know uh, finding a different. I found a Vineyard Church in the area here. I'm um, in a suburb just south of Madison, Wisconsin, and so we found a Vineyard Church, and they had like a worship band, and I was like, wow, people are playing live music and they actually want to be here like this is cool <laughs> so and i had been playing bass guitar for like i don't know like a year or something i was like i want to join so i joined and and like a year after that so i would i would play one week and i would sing the next week cuz i couldn't do both at the same time then and and then like the worship leader left with his family he wanted to go to a church with like more things for his kids and so suddenly I was thrown into like having to sing and play at the same time and then I was learning how to do that. And so I've been in worship teams for like twenty five years, but I don't want to take up a bunch of time talking about that. But anyway <laughs> I don't know, you're fine. Yeah. So yeah, well this is awesome. So uh so welcome, Jed Payne. And so you are the host of Church and Other Drugs, obviously, the podcast. Yep. And that's been going like what, six years now?
0: Yeah. That's yeah. incredible. Little- so by last by last count, it was around six years. Just put out the two hundred and fifty-first episode. So yeah, it's been a long time.
2: Yes, yeah, so you're a you're a vet of that game for sure, and of course, yeah. You know, uh, Nate and Luke had you uh you on uh, one of their early episodes when they were getting going, and and did you kind of help help them start out a little bit
0: or? Yeah, a little bit. So I I got. Uh... Uh, well, I wouldn't say, uh, to help get him started out, but I definitely, um, so I knew Nate, uh, when he was doing the don't feed the trolls podcast, um, years ago with, uh, Matt McDonald. And so that's, that's how we st- started talking. And then, um, I had him on my show and that's when I was like, Oh, we have some kind of similar beliefs here about, cause I wanted to talk to him about Bigfoot. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of, went on his show and, and turned him on to, like, uh, Dr. Heiser and the whole Divine Council worldview and the Nephilim thing and definitely nudged him uh, in that direction. And then he went, he went buck wild with it, for sure.
2: Yeah, Luke and I were just talking before you got on, like, trying to think of when we first discovered Mike Heiser and... And when maybe Nate and Luke got into the whole Genesis 6 Nephilim stuff, because it sounded like, I was just talking to Luke about it, it sounded like when you had your first episode with them, when you were talking about the Book of Enoch, that it was a little bit newer and fresher to them maybe at that time. I don't know how much they they knew about it at that time, but...
0: Yeah, that's fine. I don't I, that that just made me think. I don't exactly know how how I found like I had Dr. Heiser on my show a few times. I can't. Rem, I'm, it may have just been like the first people I started reading were like L. A. Marzulli and uh, Gary Wayne, and but I was looking for a more like grounded, scholarly approach to it. Um, and I think just I it had to have been just like just Google searching books and like, you know, his name is in those circles. Um, and then, and then his, uh, his website stitching was wrong. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So he's been, he's been in that culture, uh, pretty prevalently for yeah. sure. You
2: know, come, come to think of it. Maybe you're, you might be jarring a memory here, but it might be Rob Skiba that I was getting into yeah. about 10 years ago that, I think references Mike Heiser quite a bit. So I think that's where I got that into
0: it. Me, may, Maybe me too. Cause okay. I remember seeing some early Rob Skiba YouTube videos. Yes. There was like one in particular of like one of his lecture series. And I think that might've been where he, he quoted Heiser. I think so.
2: I think so. Yeah. So we definitely want to, you know, um, take a moment or two here to, to honor him as he passed this last week. Um, and just how inspirational i think he's been to to each of us in different ways but before we get to that i i really just really briefly wanted maybe if you could share a little bit how you got into podcasting and i don't you don't have to rehash like your whole testimony or whatever cuz i know you have a whole episode on kind of the the process that you went through spiritually and then with addiction and stuff like that but like how did like your faith journey and struggles and all of that lead you to to podcasting and and things like that
0: Yeah, sure, sure. So um I mean I've struggled so I've struggled with both religion and addiction uh for my entire life. Um mainly uh like religious legalism and a massive sense of spiritual guilt and shame Hmm. uh, from as long as i can remember and so drugs for me entered the picture um as almost an accidental cure to those feelings of guilt and shame i just noticed like when i was like a preteen and a teenager just noticing that um if i got high i didn't have these feelings of guilt until I came down and then I needed to get high again to cover up those feelings of guilt. And I got really caught in the cycle of um, extreme emotional repentance and like altar call and like, oh, dear God, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. And then sinning again and then doing it again and again and again. Um, you know, I grew up in the youth group purity culture. Um movement of the nineties and early two thousands. So I think, you know, I took, it, it did me a lot of good. I think it also put reinforced some bad theology in my mind. Um, and then, you know, as addiction does, I just fell into the life of addiction and, um, did that for many, 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 many years. Um, I finally was able to, achieve recovery in 2014 um you know i had periods of recovery throughout this time but kept um kept relapsing you the most i would get was like a year i think a year was the longest i'd had at that point um and at that point when i when i finally you know a few things happened number one I, i was older i was 27 at that time um And number two, I kind of really, you know, throughout my addiction, I I had always maintained, I guess you could call it cultural Christianity. I always had a belief in God. I always had a relationship with God, but I, my faith was not producing really any good fruit. So it's like, I really had to look at the way I was living and say like, okay, if you say, like, you believe these things, like, your life isn't showing it. So maybe it's time to take a look at, like, what what do I believe? And it's, it's like, you know, and you talked about, like, um, a point at which you have to make your faith your own. Yeah, like, I had always kind of just – I had a bunch of answers I could regurgitate of, like, you know, what do you believe? Blah, 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 blah. Like, I believe this. I believe this because the Bible says so. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and it was just – I just had a moment finally where I was like, you need to figure out like why you believe what you believe and like what do you believe? And so to connect it with podcasting, that's um, it was all it was all a nice little perfect storm. I, I was working <laughs> as a uh, fiber optic internet splicing technician. So basically I would just drive around by myself for eight, nine hours a day and hook up people's houses to the internet. And so I would just listen to headphones nonstop, nine hours a day. And so I just was digesting all of these different podcasts um, about faith and deconstruction and reconstruction and the Bible and theology and all this different stuff. And, you know, I'm at the same time, Uh, I have, I guess what you could say, like, you know, my Christian life on the one hand, and then I had my Alcoholics Anonymous, my recovery life on the other hand. And going to both of those different groups, uh, being church and AA meetings, I realized that there was a great many things that the one could learn from the other. Yeah, Um, There was a lot of things that AA does a thousand times better than church. There's a lot of things that church does a thousand times better than AA. And so... I was like why don't I make a podcast kind of discussing that intersectionality and so that's pretty much the genesis of of my show and it's obviously gone through many incarnations since then um but that was that was the the jumping off place for um wanting to feel like I had something to say
2: right right and that's awesome i mean taking advantage of all those All that uh, window time uh, at work to to be able to do that. You know, I I work with a few people that have like, you know, two hours of commute every day. And I'm like, what do you do? I listen to music. I'm like, man, you could speak like seven languages by now, or, you know, like you'd be a scholar. Like, eh, I don't know. know." (laughs) Like, I know. so, So that's just, I mean, I mean, especially in the age we live in, right? Like, there's so much information out there. Like, you could seriously. That's why I love guys like Mike Heiser, because they've done all this legwork. I don't have the patience and money to go to school like he did, but I can pick his brain.
0: Yeah, and I think my uh, buddy and I were talking about this the other day. It's like in the digital age, people forget that there is information that you can't look up online. Right. Like not all the the information and the text in the world has not been disseminated to the digital realm. So it's like people just assume that the only information out there is what you can pull up on Google. It's like, but there are for all we know, there is a book with every answer to mankind just hidden away (sighs) in some obscure arabic library that is true you know that's a good that's
2: a good caveat to remember i i like to say i mean obviously apart from those that haven't been transcribed to the internet i like to say like the internet has has the answers to everything out there but you have to parse through it and figure those out right you're going to get a thousand wrong answers but there are right ones out there Right. But right. yeah, no. So so that that's really cool about um you know what you saw with with AA versus church and that's one of the one of the things I wanted to ask you about. So maybe let's kind of jump to that for a moment. Um what were some of the things? I mean, the the I guess maybe the openness and the community of of AA versus, you know, church being more passive or what did you see that were the big things?
0: yeah that's that was definitely part of it the uh the the camaraderie camaraderie um why did it sound like I'm pronouncing that wrong (laughs) the the fellowship you know everyone uh was united by a common cause um or uh, ideally right and the, the very like presupposition of being in AA was that your life w- was so bad that you had to go to AA, right? So there was no, oh, you know, that guy's in here because, you know, he was doing so well in life that he decided to start going to this meeting, right? right. So off jump, you know that everybody in there has messed up bad. And so there's that. Feeling that your worst experience could then become like your greatest asset, whereas in church, um, it's common to have that whole Sunday morning facade, right? Like, yes. You know, people are going to ask you, "How's your week?" It's like, "Well, do you are you do you really want to know, or do you just want me to say it's great, super blessed, brother, and move along?" and it's just like you know i I encountered that when i was going through my divorce and i was on the worship team and it's like i know practically speaking this wasn't the time or the place but it's like they started doing this thing that before uh before we would practice we would kind of go around everybody would talk about their weeks and everyone's just like well you know life's great and i'm just like well i mean my wife asked for a divorce like Things aren't good, and it it was just kind of like they were like, okay, let's move well, on. Moving on, it was <sighs> like, all right, you know. So I, I guess a re- a like a, a readiness to admit struggle um because it, it's I just don't I know we are all struggling. Why can't we just admit that? And and you know, I, and I I challenged my pastor on that sometimes about like, why don't why don't you talk about some of these things from the pulpit and his response, which, again, like I can understand and there's some wisdom to it was um, it's about, you know, reaching the broadest amount of people and the newcomer possible. And I was hmm. like, OK, I, I sort of understand that. Which, uh, you know, AA has that whole thing. It's uh, their motto is it's about attraction rather than promotion. Um, so I, I guess just the the realness of it is, yep. is something I felt, and then on on the other side, what I felt like, AA needs from or needed from church was, and it's such an extremely unpopular opinion, but like the you know God, that that's what I felt like. Uh, because what I've noted, and, and once again, I understand the purpose and uh, and I, I teach this purpose because there are people that have been so damaged uh, by priests, by Catholic school, by church, by whatever, that if you say the word God, they are completely shut down. They're not hearing a single thing you're saying. They never will. And so you kind of have to sneak around the back door and tell them about a higher power and kind of sprinkle some breadcrumbs to get them to accept God. Um, but it's, you know, from what I've seen, it just seems like I wish more people, I just like really subjective and hard to say. I was going to say like more people would find God, I guess, but it's like, who, who am I to say that? And to say that whatever they're doing is not working. But, um, What I would see more often than not is like when people have a power greater than themselves or like their own conception of God, which is which is in the the AA literature is more often than not, the conception of God that they're going to realize looks a lot like themselves, Mm -hmm. just kind of like a higher version of themselves that doesn't. So it's kind of, you know, subject to the whims and changes. Like there's no like bedrock of like, this is what this is. And it has certain attributes and characteristics. It's more like, you know, today, my God is this tomorrow. My God is this. And that just seems a little flimsy to me. For sure.
2: Yeah. And um, yeah, it's interesting too. Like you mentioned, um, you know, some people having kind of those, those shut off moments of you mentioned certain terms or whatever. And I think that's one of the really unique things about, like, Blurry Creatures and your show is, like, able to bridge that gap. You know, um, you, you think about, you know, like, okay, a Bigfoot podcast or about giants or whatever, and, like, how much theology and Bible comes out of that. So you have people that are kind of fascinated by this topic, and now they're getting exposed to things biblically that they wouldn't otherwise. And um, I think that's that's one of the, the, the advantages. It's just kind of like thinking of Paul, you know, I become all things to all people that I might save some, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of meeting people where they're at. But so what was it or uh, where did you uh, come across like Going back again, you're you're you know kind of absorbing all this uh, podcasts and things while while you're on your job and discovering Mike Heiser. So like, how did that like help shape your views, and why do you think that matters? And I and I want to get into a, in a little bit here like Genesis six and Nephilim and like what was interesting and why do you think that matters. But then more specifically, like how did Mike Heiser kind of shaped that for you.
0: Sure. So that's the question I think about a lot too. So it, the, the beginnings of it were my interests in conspiracy theories. Um, and it was kind of, have you ever read behold a pale horse or heard of that book?
2: Ooh, I've heard of it.
0: Yeah. It's kind of like the anarchist cookbook for, eighties, nineties conspiracy theorists. Like it was, it's been, it's, you know, a lot of it's been disproven, but it, um, it really played a massive role in getting things like the Illuminati and Freemasons and that sort of thing into the the zeitgeist for that generation. Okay. So, you know, I'm into these kind of conspiracies and you have this idea of like this one world government or the shadow group, that is secretly trying to take things over. And I had difficulty reconciling that with a Christian worldview. So how does a society of humans thwart an all-powerful God? How does that work? And when I followed that trail, well and uh the other piece that i had confusion about um with looking at the world like i'm always looking at the world in a a macro way like i'm a big trying to understand what's going on person and so seeing things like um regions where there is constantly chaos and war and discord and things like witchcraft and ghosts and spirits and bigfoot and ufos and like how do these things how would they fit in a world supposedly controlled by an all-powerful God? How, how would that work? And when I found the story of Genesis 6 and the Nephilim and the giants, it, to me, answered every single one of those questions. Hmm. Especially, you know, I uh, I was like a student of mythology and, and Joseph Campbell, too, and just looking basically how every culture and society and group throughout history, especially in terms of mythology and their stories of creation and gods and all that, everyone is basically telling the same story. Right. And to me, that speaks to an underlying truth. And so then it's like, all right, if there is a truth there, then how does that fit with Christianity? And lo and behold, through the Divine Council, Nephilim, Book of Enoch worldview, Gilgamesh, and all these, I'm also big on humans don't make things up without a frame of reference. So everything that we conceive and make up comes from a reference point and things like modern day superheroes things like demigods things like chimera it's like perhaps there actually was something in history that inspired these things to be and then if, if that is the case if that's true then once again i'm gonna try and see if there is a judeo-christian explanation for these things and i was surprised to find out that there was
2: yeah yeah that's what's so fascinating i think like you're saying is is how much of this stuff is connected you know like you know randall carlson and uh and uh graham hancock you know getting so popular with their with their ancient apocalypse stuff and it's like yeah, the, the Bible and history speaks to
0: this stuff. This is this is true. I know. They're so close too. It's like I yes. wanted to, it's like even on uh like Graham Hancock would be like we don't know how this is built, but like if you ask the people, they say that the gods helped build it. But like that can't be. It's like you're so close, man. Like <laughs> yes. what it why not? I mean you're you're taking a ton of leaps. Uh that seems like another leap as well.
2: Yeah, it's just like um, kind of mainstream thought, right, to say, well, we dismiss such and such out of hand at at the outset, therefore, we're only going to look at this possible set of answers. You know, and it's, I, I think even, um, I forget who said it, but uh, thinking of like uh, the reformers and things like that in church history when they looked at the the supernatural view of Genesis 6. Maybe you even said this, Jed, on, on one of your shows, I can't remember, but um, that, well, we can't imagine that angels mated with human women, therefore we're just going to dismiss it. You know, that was right. their answer. We can't believe it, therefore it's silly, and we're going to move on. But yeah, uh and Luke was going to ask you too um a little bit kind of how maybe your views on like Nephilim and UFOs relate to current events. Um Sure. How, however, Luke, you wanted to to phrase that, I guess.
1: No, you that's fine. You you did it for me. Go <laughs> uh, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm not trying no, to set I, it up. I, I, no, Jed, I think when you were uh, with Nate and Luke and Blurry Creatures uh, a few years ago, um, your main focus was on Genesis six. And so we're, I was really wanting to know, um, how do you, what have you researched? What are you doing now? What are you looking at as far as current events? Obviously LA Missouli is really tapped into the trail of the Nephilim and the UFO. A phenomenon the last few decades and really current event type stuff. And obviously we've seen things with unexplained stuff just in the last few weeks here mm-hmm. and it's 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 hit Tucker Carlson. It's more mainstream and I'm just kind of where are you tying into that with what you've researched and your understanding of uh, how those connect?
0: Yeah, that's I ask myself that often lately. I really don't know. I don't know. Like, and I guess I'll have to, I mean, a lot of this will be thinking in real time and I'll probably have to attack it from a few different angles. Um, so I have, and it may be the contrarian in me, and since it is becoming just hyper popular to have this opinion. Maybe that's just making me want to kind of back out of it. But I am wary of people like Marzuli and Gary Wayne, and I'm in the Gary Wayne, Facebook group, just to kind of like be a voice of reason. Because people will it, it's just you can take it so far into, I mean, literally, the post I always bring up was this lady was like, I just moved into a house and there's a checkerboard pattern in my kitchen. Should I be concerned that this was a Knights Templar worship site? And pe- <laughs> she was dead serious. Wow. And people in the comments answered her dead seriously. And I had to be like, this has gone too far. Like this, not every triangle you see in the world is an Illuminati symbol. Right. And it, it can completely. And I made a, I made a, a big uh, post in there the other day too, because all of it, you know, now their big thing is let's be terrified about AI and all this stuff. And AI talked, turned into a demon and talked to my son. And I just, this, this might kind of sum up a little bit of it, but I was like, listen, we say we believe in god and i see nothing but fear-mongering in here about like like what are y'all afraid of exactly like do you think that god's gonna lose is that what's like what do you i don't like uh, if anything we should just be casually observing and mindful but it's like there's nothing to be afraid of like you're not gonna suddenly be deceived you know and if you are you know what i'm saying and it's if anything going too far in that direction can be an absolute deception in and of itself. It's like, are am I spending way more time uh, gesticulating about, you know, what if my neighbor is, has Nephilim bloodline or am I going and bringing a brownie to my neighbor? Cause he's sick. You know what I mean? So it's like, uh, I, you know, I want to be careful on, on the other hand, you know, there are, If, like, gun to my head, if you had to say, like, what do I think is going on in the world, I would say currently that I do believe in the explanation of demonic forces given in Enoch in that it is the disembodied spirits of the slain giants, the remnant that was left on the earth to, and, like, interestingly, and and this brings up a whole Whole other subject, but um, uh, in Enoch, the giant's request to Yahweh is like, look, if you don't let us remain, then we're not going to be able to do what you want, or like your your will is not going to be worked out. And so it's like, what? So you, So like God is using these evil forces like for his ultimate will, which I guess has to make sense cosmologically, but that brings up a whole another can of worms of like, oof, ew, ew, what do you do with that? Um, but okay, so if there are evil, unclean spirits that remain on Earth, uh, how would they get things done? Uh, through influence of humans. Um, a fantastic, and it was very underlooked in my opinion, but uh, in the movie Wonder Woman, if you happen to see that, did you see that? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Okay. So the part where Ares, the god of war, is seen whispering into the ears of people like building nuclear bombs and chemical weapons during World War One, And I was like, that to me is a fantastic example of what could be happening. It's, you know, things like channeling or influencing humans to do things in the physical world that spirits cannot accomplish, right? Um, Perhaps not, like, outright possession. um, But, yes, definitely influencing things to go down the path of ruin. Um, Aliens, I have no idea. I don't believe in aliens as a advanced intelligent separate species and races in the universe um i don't know why i don't i just don't if anything i think it would be a perfect and it it almost does seem like we are being primed and pumped for some sort of revelation about aliens or some sort of first contact or It seems like we're being set up and padded for that. And it's if that ever happens, I'm not going to trust it. Even in the slightest bit, Um, I I would like subscribe to the idea that it would be some kind of deception, that it would be some kind of. um, Some kind of trick or like I'm, I'm way more like I can totally get down with inner inner dimensional beings. Um, But as far as non-humanoid intelligent species in the universe, I just don't believe that for whatever reason. Um, I do think there is something people are seeing. I do think that's, you know, but that could be a million things. It could be something going on with time. It could be, you know, dimensional rifts things. I, I was always super curious and interested into like the nuclear age and how uh, Jack Parsons was involved with Aleister Crowley and Aleister Crowley summoning lamb, which just so happened to be the drawing of lamb is an alien gray. Right. So this demonic being that he summoned, that's like the the um, the archetype of the alien grays. And so during this period of the 50s and 60s, when there were just hundreds of nuclear detonations on earth. And some theories thinking that there was like, you know, that nuclear detonations create thin spots or veils or whatever. And from that period on is when we started getting more and more reports of UFO sightings and things like that. So right. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I, I, well, I Go ahead. You kind of hit on one of my next questions. Um, Aleister Crowley and his summoning, him tapping into the, uh, the spirit realm. Um, and how this relates to Genesis 6 is it's well known that Hitler and the Nazi party were deep into the occult. Mm-hmm. So they were uh, they were aligned with Aleister Crowley or maybe even used some of his teachings as, as an influence. And then, say you know, if you want to reference it towards a movie, Raiders of the Lost Ark. So they saw this power and they were wanting to tap into this power, if possible, for their benefit. Um, And uh, there's been reports of uh, Canaanite altars and, and other pagan ritual sites that the Nazi party has even used, I I think there was one, there was a castle that Mm. was built on, on top of one, or they brought it in, and then they built the castle on top of them. So I'm kind of seeing a parallel from Genesis six and this exchange of knowledge between the watchers and what may have took place with this technology explosion that took place during that time that you referenced with the nuclear yeah. top and, and, and then we're starting to see the rise of all this unexplained phenomena in the, in the atmosphere in, in the, you in, in the heavens. So it's like, was there an exchange of you know the, is this a kind of like a rebirth type of situation of genesis six in a sense
0: it it uh, yeah because it, it is it's 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 i don't think people put enough thought into the fact that there has been more technological advancement in the last 50 years than in the previous 500. i mean it's just like the 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 exponential rate is just insane and it seemingly just kind of uh, manifested out of nowhere, um, and it, yeah, and there's even throughout history there's still like sprinklings of that like there's a there's lore that uh, da Vinci or no my yeah da Vinci went into a cave for three days and when he came out of that cave after you know having an experience uh that's when he started his inventions and all his you know so there's all these you know in the the ancient secret societies of knowledge and it's like this i mean that that's the other part of the genesis 6 story that just makes so much sense to me and even in i mean the anthropology uh, classes that i've taken at at college and university it's to, it's just like it does not make any sense to me at all it basically it's just like uh, okay so the entirety of the human race is just like oh they just figured it out like literally it's just like hey, enough of them tried enough things enough times and they just figured it out and it's like that doesn't that does not work for everything it just doesn't i mean especially when with things like with things like drugs, like uh, this is another example I always use, like, I, like ayahuasca, right? To, to produce ayahuasca, you have to take a vine and then you need, uh, the problem with DMT is that it is broken down in the body by monoamine oxidase. So what you need is a monoamine oxidase inhibitor to take that concurrently so that your body does not break down the DMT. So you need two separate plants, Out of trillions in the Amazon, trillions of species, you need to find two that work together to produce this thing. And so you're telling me, and it's not like you just, I mean, you have to prepare them. So it's like, so number, like, so one person, one day just grabbed the right two plants to make this thing. What are you talking about?
2: Yeah, it takes more faith to believe that kind of stuff happened by chance. It really it, does. And same with, you know. And and see, maybe this is the the framework of 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 mindset that <laughs> our educational system has cranked out, right? Because we're we're teaching people give it billions of years and and life can come from non-life. And so they go, "Oh, okay, as long as it has enough time." And same thing like you're saying. Yeah, people will just trial and error you know, take deadly mushrooms, you know, and, and figure out which ones aren't and that make you high. It's like, what? They're not right. going to do that.
0: The Occam, like the, the and, it, and also it's, it, it's, I just want, I do not believe that human, like in the dumb human thing that like we started dumb and we've just been getting smarter. It's like, No, I'm pretty sure we've been the same the entire time. If anything, we were smarter. And I believe what they said. So it's like when they say, hey, how did you learn how to build this stuff? Oh, the gods told us. Oh, you you know, and, you know, scholars like you silly primitive humans. That can't be right. And it's like, why not? You know what? Why not? You know, I always why also what was the original claim that a human could make that would allow him to be a king okay it's like in in the development of humanity and societies like if if you know if i'm bigger than you i'm just gonna beat you up and now i'm king right unless this person is backed by a god right And, and claims i mean that was what the original monarchs had claimed to was they had this blood That was semi-divine. Right. And so that was respected enough that people were like, oh yeah, you're the king, with no question. Otherwise, if there's only a hundred, you know, at one point, you know, whatever, a thousand, ten thousand humans on earth, what gives one right to say, like, all this is mine? It's like, well, I'm stronger than you, so now it's mine. And then the other guy's like, Oh, I'm stronger than you, now it's mine. (laughs) It's like, you know, these these bloodlines had claim back then. There's just a lot of things in humanity to me in human history that don't make sense outside of some wacky supernatural stuff. Right. I mean, it, it doesn't.
2: So, so where do you, um, tying that into kind of Luke's question for the current events and then into the future. Cause when I was, uh, I listened to one of your episodes with Brian Godawa and he mm-hmm. comes from kind of that, that preterist, eschatology right that that revelation has largely been fulfilled and that really made me dig in the last few weeks to figure out where i land on that because it's like our podcast we call the days of noah cuz we're t- kind of taking that view that that as in the days of noah where you know there was hybridization going on uh, with nephilim and cross species, you know, things going on that the earth became so corrupt that God had to send the flood. That these kinds of things are going to come back in the end times. And when I listened to Brian Godawa, I was kind of like, "Huh, I need to dig into this." And so I've I've kind of come up with some sort of a a, a system of understanding that that this already not yet idea um, that Mike mm-hmm. Heiser has talked about. But but where do you see that kind of in your maybe evolution of eschatology, and what you see you know Satan is up to basically? like some people are saying, you know he's building an army, he's out outnumbered two to one, and he's you know, if you've ever heard of like you know Nephilim mothers and and well, the alien abduction thing, right with with breeding that there that there is a program underway to kind of do what he did back then.
0: There, so Gadawa challenged me on that too, um, and someone else. I, I, I was digging into Revelation too, and I remember that being a huge bombshell. Of just the I, I'd never even really heard that idea that the apocalypse of Revelation occurred in in seventy A.D. That it was the destruction of of, and I was like, okay, well that actually tracks because if the author was saying yo, this is happening soon, then he was way off, right? You know, uh, way, way off. It did seem to be extremely immediate. Um, That being said, I also do like the, uh, it seems to me a lot of scripture is archetypal, like, um, which is part of just the absolute, genius of of all the writings um so you you know like the the jewish people in general are if you take their their struggles as a people it's me it's like how often has god delivered me from bondage and i'm like oh thank you god for hearing my cry and then i go worship an altar immediately immediately and then god's like okay here you go you dumb kid I'm going to make you go, you know, I have we've all had our wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. So if if those things are true, if we can look at scripture that way, then I think uh, Revelation probably does um, speak a truth about our future. And it it seems like, you know, there are ages in humanity and they are all met with cataclysm or or restarted um and it's you know I, what i would be curious to know is you know because we we feel like we are in the and i'm i'm with you i feel like we like things seem to be getting horrendous but how did the people in 1946 feel you know like uh, how did people during uh the bubonic plague feel right how did people during uh arminian genocide i mean there there have been so many other times in history when it was worse you know it was worse by by all categories so it's like is that just every every generation thinking that they're living in, in in the end times and you know i grew up you know reading the left behind series yes and, exactly you know just being like yes all right wow here, here
2: it comes Ooh, watch um, out for this slick antichrist he's gonna be a smooth yes, talker man. <laughs>
0: yes but with with so what i do and this is you know a pet theory this is just it's just speculation i to me it does seem like we are it seems like there is a force of antichrist moving through western evangelical christianity i feel it it seems like lines are being drawn and people are being kind of separated and i think that's a good thing because i think we've been far too comfortable And far too, you know, uh, America is really we are blessed enough to be so situated that you can set up a life where you don't need God. Right. Right. You can be so comfortable and so well off that you have no use for God. Yeah. And you can just go on Sunday and thank God for your wonderful life and your two kids and your house and your boat. And you just live a 40 year, you know, 80 years and you die. And that was it. And I think that's dangerous. I think that's super dangerous. And I think it leads to a life of spiritual mediocrity. And I think we're missing out on things. So I think it is, I think we're past time for like a purifying fire, like a, shake a galvanization, up. Yeah. a shakeup. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, you know, scripture talks about that all the time. Well, do you think... The,
2: do you think it's it's kind of what Revelation talks about—the great falling away—and do you do you feel like that separation, in a sense, being a good thing, is kind of like the sheep and the goats kind of thing?
0: Uh, yeah, and I guess w- we could we could argue good thing might be a
2: well, a good necessary, and necessary yeah. might be better. Yeah, yeah, right, right.
0: Um, yeah, because o- over and over, I mean, it. You know, Jesus talks uses metaphors of separation, you know, wheat from the chaff, uh, uh, brother against brother, Um, one will be plowing the field, one will be taken, I mean, just uh, goat and the sheep, just all these um, examples of separation. And so there is some people and so that implies that, like, some people are getting it wrong. And it's, it's like, if you, if your beliefs are never challenged, then you have no need to like, to back them up. And, and they just become, they just become rote answers, you know? Yeah. Well, one
2: of the things you said once uh, was if, if you take this, the supernatural out of Christianity, it just becomes a self-help philosophy. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm probably paraphrasing you
0: there, but. And yeah, and that's, that's, that's again, what I see. The, the, the biggest ills I see right now facing the, the bride are celebrity pastors. Um, You know, televangelists have always been a thing. They always will be a thing. I pity people like Kenneth Copeland because I, I just, You know, the strongest warnings in scripture are for people that lead Christians astray, like abuse of power. And so it's almost just like, I am terrified for you. Um, But you have celebrity pastor and you have, yeah, you know, the five keys to having a better work week. You know, it's like, I I think we need to, um, I think we need to be taught scripture and, and like wrestle with these, um, like we need to face the criticisms head on, you know, we need to face the challenges and critiques head on and really wrestle with these things and dive into like, I'm at a point in my life where I want to be taught the scriptures. I don't want to be taught how to, uh, not feel sad on right. Tuesday. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like and I'm I'm hope you know I do see um, a lot of a lot of churches are doing that extremely well. Like I always plug Woodland Hills Church, and and Greg Boyd is the pastor there. Like okay. I love, I love his stuff. Um, and my parents' church in uh, Columbia, Columbia Presbyterian, they okay. they do it really well. So like it's it's happening. Yeah.
2: Um, what do you think? Are you familiar at all with some of the organic church movement, um, or like uh, Frank Viola's book, "Pagan Christianity"? Kind of unpacking the the baggage mm-hmm. the baggage that the church has added over the last seventeen hundred years. Oh, I've never heard of that. Yeah, so that that stuff I've been getting into more lately. Not to not to go off on a rabbit trail there, personally, but I think that speaking to that kind of apostasy, falling away you know, really solidifying what we believe, like, we've been largely passive, you know, we show up on a Sunday morning, and we let a few people use their gifts, while our gifts are not very active in those moments. And so I think mm-hmm. there's, I think there's a lot of, a lot of things that people need to take personal responsibility for their faith, that w- were. We're just we're soft and flabby, right? We're just we are we're comfortable. And what is the pattern of like society? I f- forget where it comes from, right? Where there's revolution and then freedom and then prosperity and then um, apathy and then you then you lose your freedom. Like the whole cycle starts yeah. all over
0: again, right? we're, we're a generation without a struggle. I mean, we, we are, we really it's. And so the part, the part of me that feels like there, we are approaching some I do and other people do too. It does feel like we are in the midst of some, some kind of change. Mm -hmm. You know, I've, I've called it a, uh, Luther-esque reformation. I mean, we're, we're on the way towards either a societal change, a cultural shift, um, definitely, uh, Christianity in, in the West is going through a shift with, with church populations just being absolutely decimated and people, the, the, I, I think the last percentage I heard was, uh, claimed atheism rose from, 12 to either 18 or 23 percent which is a humongous change and i think that was from like 2008 till now or something like that wow yeah so it's it's but people are still extremely spiritually hungry so it's like everyone's kind of shooting their tendrils out to these you know and, and so that that's where I see the the scriptural warnings of people are gonna fall for uh, how does it how does it say it like persuasive right uh, doctrine or and signs how, how and differ-
2: wonders and different things.
0: Yes, yes it's I, I think people are at an extremely vulnerable place for seeking things if they're not um, not grounded. If they're not grounded. Yeah. yeah.
2: That's I think it's one of such the amazing thing about Mike Heiser is, you know, going to these UFO conferences and finding people that are more interested in how this ties to history and the Bible than people in church. And that's one of yeah. the things I was going to ask you real quick about is what kinds of responses do you get when you talk about Genesis 6 and Enoch and Nephilim? from Christians and what kind of response you get from non-Christians and how is that different at all So
0: from non-Christians probably a amused uh fascination, you know. Um mo- most of the non-Christians that i'm friends with or associate these days are either like they've gone so many different directions like humanist or moralists or um you know new age wiccan uh that sort of thing so it's e- it's either these people believe in things like gods and goddesses but they do not think that they're malevolent or they think the supernatural is silly but they believe in aliens for sure without a shadow of a doubt or they think the supernatural yeah that a lot wow. that i see a lot which is f- so funny to me it's like okay they em- right. <laughs> they embrace that idea of intelligent absolutely life- okay yeah as a, almost as a, as a scientific uh fact like it's as a as a statistical impossibility that it is not true um you know or or there you know uh, at least i try to get people to agree to it's like either if you you know as far as creation uh arguments go if you believe in a creator or the big bang both of them take equal measures of faith both of them are absolutely ridiculous if you take them at face value right it's You know, so if we can agree on that. Yeah. And then with with Christians, I either get the Christian that has really watered down the supernatural message as uh, hyperbole or metaphor or the beliefs of an ancient Near Eastern people group. And to be thought of as, you know, teaching and life lessons. And, well, of course that's what they believe because they're silly ancient peoples. Or, you know, people are like, yes, um, that makes sense. Um, And then people, I guess, more like my parents, I don't don't know. You know, they definitely believe in – it's funny too, and this is what I don't get. It's like most Chris you know, whatever. I paint with a broad brush a lot. Uh, (laughs) Most Christians, um, no problem except, you know, the concepts like the devil, demons, angels. Okay. But when you, so why then is it crazy to think that this story happened or at least admit that that is what the readers of the, bible thought back then everyone just took it for granted that that was the truth yeah that's so, one, that's
2: one of the uh, the the ways that i was trying to dig in myself when i was getting into blurry creatures and got inspired to do our own thing based on that was okay i need to understand why the book of enoch is important even if it's not canon yeah. and and Mike Heiser recommended a um a scholarly work based on her dissertation by Annette Yoshiko Reed where she documents basically how Enoch was treated over like 1500 years. And uh yeah, it's that's that's what they thought of it. And I think it's really really a shame how our seminaries are cranking out pastors who are taught this Sethite view of Genesis 6 and we're gutting the bible of yeah. its context and now we don't have a proper response to the atheist that says your god's a genocidal maniac and how could you right. have done this it's
0: like these are the answers right here and we're not right.
2: we're not learning it
0: right that that's the thing yes that that's the thing too is it 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 answers so many so many of the issues but you know and, and so I guess I guess largely, um, I guess I have learned to uh, maybe I'm just getting older to stay out of like raw debate um, and just kind of keep doing doing my research and talking to people that will continue to like open my mind about it Um, right
2: it's kind of like a a a bee you fly from flower to flower if it's not open you you buzz off right you know yeah like not everybody's gonna be into that Yeah. yeah i think that's i think that's wise and you know i can tell you from you know we're only on episode 17 here but um just from doing this like how much more it's challenged me to dig in and be sure at least know why I come to conclusions yes. that I do if I'm going to actually talk about it even if there's three people listening you know I I need to kind of know what I'm doing but yeah. um yeah so um yeah so awesome one of the, one of the last things I just wanted to do kind of on a lighter note is uh what what's a favorite moment of uh with Nate and Luke on blurry creatures and I'll share real quick mine with you because uh, one of your episodes, you you blurt out, uh, "Did you know people have stripes?" And then there's like a pregnant pause. <laughs> Do you remember this?
1: <laughs>
0: uh, I uh, I don't remember the content. <laughs> I remember learning that fact though. No, but just so you to tell everyone.
2: You said it on the show with Luke and Nate, and then there's like this pregnant pause, and then real quiet. You can hear Luke go, "What?" and then and then you and then you explain yourself but i just love how you let it hang out there so
0: (laughs) i just i just love uh giving luke a hard time about his uh famous family i'll leave it at that
2: oh okay yeah yeah okay nice all right i'll have to i'll have to dig into that i can't i can't remember the context for that one but yeah i'll
0: tell you afterwards
2: sounds good sounds good and yeah. then, um, yeah, and so we could probably wrap up here in a minute, but so tell us a little bit about kind of what you're doing ministry wise counseling. I know you were going to school for for helping people are you are you finished with that? Or are you in the middle of that, or what's going yeah, on yeah
0: so i I work as a uh, substance abuse counselor uh, I work with the courts right now, doing groups uh, kind of like a pre pretrial intervention sort of thing for people um and i am in school to get uh eventually my master's degree in uh counseling
2: very nice so that's pretty much what i'm doing right now that's awesome and then running the podcast yeah well that's cool well you know it's you know i look back in my life and and kind of these you know j-o-b that i had to pay the bills right and like it's 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 awesome when you can find just a little piece of maybe how God's wired you in in some small way. And uh, I'm still trying to find that in my vocation, at least, you know, Luke and I with doing our show here, we've got something that we get excited about that maybe we can kind of help people understand some weird topics a little better and how they relate to the Bible, but... Yes, yeah. so it's awesome what what you're doing, what you've been doing now for six plus years, and then of course with, yeah. with counseling and stuff. So, absolutely, very cool. Well, well, thanks so much, Jed, for your time and for coming on, and uh, hopefully we can maybe do it again sometime. And sure, and, yeah, thanks uh, for having me. Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, with that, uh, Jed Payne, Church and Other Drugs, make sure to check out his show, and we yes. will see you next week. All righty. Message was over by the house near the grave. Saw you wandering aimless
0: for a while. Went away.
2: It was common to pardon. Was it wrong,
0: in a way,
2: I defended your drama, I'm a heart, your brain.